if you've ever been paddle boarding with me, you know that I'm a little OCD on like, you know, help, letting people help me get my boards off, get paddles out. If I've ever let you help me do anything, uh, including yesterday, I, I, get, I had great freedom letting you guys help me unload my stuff. But when it came time to loading it back up again, uh, Christine was uh, trying to help me. And, and I saw your face because I had said, I don't want your help. And she goes, <laughs> and it was like, I didn't want you to take that personal, man, because sometimes I just have to be direct because people want to help. But I got to tell you kind of the way it all kind of came about. When I first started doing paddleboard tours, um, you know, back maybe, uh, you know, for, for a living, we first planted this church. I had to pay the bills with some of those tours and, or try to at least, I guess a better way to say it. Um, it, it bought a few meals, but we would, uh, I was going out of Dynamite Point um, up at the state park, and that's right there by the inlet. And um, I had my parking spot right there by the bathrooms, right there by the where I could wash the board. Had everything set up. That was my spot, and I would I would meet people there. Well, one time I got ready to go do a paddleboard tour, and I pull in, and these people were early. People are never early, and they were early, and they had pulled up, and they were in my spot. Dude, how many of y'all got a spot? You know what I'm talking about. You got a spot? Yeah, dude, they were in my spot. This is where I backed in. I could open the hatch. I could pull everything out, set it on the grass where nothing gets scratched, nothing gets messed up. They were in my spot, and they had people with them. Every, they had like probably six, seven people, but they had six cars. No, not that many, but they took all the spots, so I had to park across the parking lot. And I come up to them, and I was like, uh, and they're like, hey, you Pastor Eddie? I'm like, yeah, yeah, so-and-so, and so. And I was like, from, from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Anybody here from Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Okay, good. Anybody know any car dealers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? You probably don't know this guy then, but I'm not really talking bad about him, all right, because I love him in Jesus. But here's what happened, man. I, I said, hey, dude, you know, I got to unload all this stuff, man, and um, I would love, can, can, can we just trade spots? All I need is that one spot right there, and, and we'll trade spots, and he's like, Oh, no, don't worry about that. We'll help you unload all your stuff. They're like, sir, it'd be awesome. I said, it'd be really awesome if you just let me, you know, let me just change parking, parking spots. It just works out for cleaning up and everything. He's like, no, man. Hey, y'all all come over here. He got all his people together. Like, hey, come on, man. Let's unload all this stuff for this guy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's all right. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. And like, well, we want to help you if you just let us know if there's something we can do. I'm like, all right. So I'm kind of like, I said, y'all just find some shade. That's your job now. Just kind of hang out and chill. Go, go down there by the cove and look at the beautiful crystal clear water coming in. See if you can spot some manatees. Maybe we can chase down later or dolphins or something. And so they went down, and I'm unloading the boards. I finally unload all the boards off the car all the way across the parking lot. And I get those unloaded, and somehow they snuck by me. And I look back. And what I saw behind my vehicle in the parking lot that's gravelly, I saw no less than six carbon fiber paddles that are $250 plus a piece laying on the concrete there, on the gravel. Dude, I treat these things with kid gloves, man, because carbon fiber, dude, that's expensive. And it starts getting nicked. It's just over. He's got those laying there. Not only does he have those laying there, but he took my fishing rods out of the racks. And I had St. Croix fishing rods with, with Shimano spinning reel. That's like 400 bucks, all of that. And that takes me a lot to say. I had to sell children to get those things. And dude, he's got those laying on the ground. He's got spare guns. Everything that was in my racks, in my cars, laying on the ground. And, and you know how things happen in slow motion? Here it was. I'm turning around, getting ready to go get it. And I'm like, no. 
it just as he is now got all this land and all by himself he grabs them and I'm hearing I'm hearing all this stuff scrape and I'm watching the dude trying to lift them all himself and paddles and rods are dragging and he goes oh, I got it and and I'm seeing rods bouncing I'm seeing everything and he's getting ready to lift I'm just like oh Jesus this is your stuff please I'm trying to be a good steward take care and he comes over to me and he asks the proverbial question Hey, what do you want me to do this? Do with this stuff. <laughs> I had a few answers for him at that point. <laughs> Where do you want me to stick this? And I'm like, you don't want to know. Put it. Uh, I said, come here, come here, come here. Hey, help. And I'm getting the guy here to grab this in. Another guy. I said, gently, these things are expensive, man. Gently, let's lay it down in the grass. And he's all, oh, I don't need their help. And he drops them. I'm just like, oh, God, this is your stuff. Is this what you're trying to teach me? This is your stuff and not mine, but I'm trying to be a good steward, and I have money to buy new stuff. And so I grab my fishing rods, and I'm looking at them as I'm putting them back in. And by the way, every piece of equipment that he had in his hands had scars on it. The, and, and I prayed for that family every time I looked at those scars because the other choice was to be mad at them. But uh, I, I put it all back, and we went paddleboarding. And I really, dude, I was upset. You ever get that way, Chris? Your stuff, dude. You get good stuff and you take care of it, right, Tom? You take care of it. When somebody messes it up, oh, my goodness. So in that, the point is, that's why if, you, if I, you ever, like, ask me to help me and I say no, just remember Pittsburgh Rob, it took two years of him going before I ever even let him unload a board, all right? So I don't let people mess with this. I was just like, oh, my goodness. I get it back, and all the time I'm paddling, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm angry, and I'm like, and God just like, hey, have you ever done that to me? I'm like, what? He's like, have you ever stepped in and tried to do stuff and help me in ways that I didn't want to have you help me? I'm like, what? He's like, have you ever had to kind of maybe tell a little bit of a lie to sort of make the gospel work? Have you ever tried? Have you ever had to had to do something wrong in the name of me? Have you ever have you ever had to have you ever like done something wrong to help me? And I'm sitting there starting to think. He's like, have you ever stepped out and had initiative and done something I didn't ask you to do when you're not doing what I already asked you to do? And he started to bring in great conviction of all the different times that I stepped out and did things for God that he never asked me to do. Things that basically I, I got sort of an idea how God felt when that guy, I did not want him doing that. And I, he started bringing to mind all the things I had done for him with a good heart, meaning well, but they were not things that he wanted me to do. And so what I've been thinking about for two weeks now, as I've been looking at this scripture, and there's a million ways that this passage could be, you know, applied to our life. But this application is the application that God has given me for this group that would be here today. And it's for me. I've been thinking about this. So, so look, at this. If you don't get anything else out of this. If what you do when you walk out of here, you can only preach one thing. It's this right here. Read this with me. God doesn't need our help. Y'all agree with that? God doesn't need our help. He can accomplish everything on his own. He can use other people, other things. He is self-existent. If he needs your help, what did he do before you were born? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He does not need our help. But look at the next part. But he lets us help. What a privilege. Now, I don't want to compare that to me with the paddle boards and all of that. That was just an illustration to show how doing things that you shouldn't be helping in areas you shouldn't be helping is a hindrance. OK, and, and but 
But so God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. And when you look at it that way, is it a privilege to be able to help God? Is it a privilege, Roger, when God looks down and says, Roger, dude, I have a special job for you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. But this customer, you're going to sell him something. He's going to cuss you out, and he's going to all be your fault. And, and I'm going to make it the most miserable business transaction you have ever had, but you're going to have such an opportunity to squeeze him and show him the love of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but how's that always work? I mean, no. Absolutely. If we see it that way. You understand there's nothing that goes on in your life. There's nothing that comes in your life that's not custom designed by God for, to make you better, to make you like Christ. But it's God giving you the privilege of serving Him. Whatever it is. That's why we harp so much on seeing life from God's perspective. But I want you to understand God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. So if you're going to help, what's the last part? If you have to lie to help God, is that right? No, no that's helping wrong. If you have to twist, if you have to have to manipulate to make things happen to help God, is that God? No. Are you helping him? No. If you ever have to do something wrong to help God, you're not helping God. You're not doing what you are the proverbial dude, car salesman from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, carrying all my junk up there. You're that person where you're 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 in the way. You're doing it wrong to help God. we got to do it right. So one more time, I want you to, everybody say this again. God doesn't need our help. Jared, do you agree with that? He doesn't need your help. But he lets us help. And that's a privilege. So if you're going to, then help. Yeah, don't help wrong. If you got to do something wrong, that's helping wrong, all right? And we're going to see this, or we're continuing in uh, Hebrews, and we're going to look at one little verse today, but that one little verse is about a dude who doesn't have much written about him in the Old Testament, but what he does have written, we're pretty much going to cover this morning. Real quick, and I do see a clock back there, and I'm going to not let the Holy, I mean, the Holy Spirit's going to guide me, but I will be mindful of that clock, all right? So uh, that, that's just my times are rambling. So am I rambling right now? I better get going, right? All right, so look at this one verse we're going to look at in Hebrews um, chapter 11. These are the Hall of Fame of Faith. And, and this actually, this guy here, Isaac, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason, and we're going to see that. But really, his life, instead of a Hall of Fame, it's almost a Hall of Shame. Out of all the patriarchs, he's got the least written about him. And most of what he has written about him are mistakes that he made. Things he did, him and his wife did, where they thought they had to help God. And you're going to see it. And, and, and my, my hope is that anytime we try to help God, we're going to help him right and not help him wrong. These guys helped him wrong all the time. But in the end, he did what was right. He went out with a bang. So it says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Those are his two sons concerning the things to come. Now, what he's talking about, what we've been talking about in this in this in Hebrews is these guys who live by faith. They knew God had given them a promise and they were never going to see the promise fulfilled. The promise is we have a home in heaven. We have a savior and a home in heaven. A city that God, that God built. And so, so they're passing this on to their kids. More valuable than passing a gold coin collection. Passing down all kinds of investments in the stock market. Passing down all kinds of property. All kinds of good, physical, tangible things. More important than passing down any of those things is passing down a spiritual heritage. Amen? Amen. All those things are gone. They're going to be gone. 
They're not going to last. The most important thing you can pass down to, whether it's your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor's kids, your neighbor's grand, your anybody in this world is passing down the promise that they pass down. And that promise is, look, you follow God through faith and it's all going to work out. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you, including in eternity. You will have a home in heaven because of a, a savior that he has sent or in their case, a savior that he's going to send. And so even though he messed up his whole life, basically, God still blessed him because of promises that he had made to his, his, his ancestors. But in this, even though he messed up, he ended well. Because it's not really about this life. It's about the next one. He passed down the right stuff. Destiny and Jack, y'all going to have kids one day? Yeah. All right. Man, the mo what's the most important thing you can pass down to those kids? Is it, your, is it your, all your guns and your bows? I mean, they're valuable, right? I told my kids, I said, the only material possessions you guys are going to get inheritance is, is all my cooking wear and all my, my beach toys and all my hunting toys, all those. And if you decide to sell them in a garage sale and get nothing for them, I'm sorry. They're all worth some, but is that the best thing we can pass down, Jack? What's the best thing we can pass down to them? Jesus. The promise, the hope, that's the best thing. Code and Katie, man, when do you do, Katie? You and man, was she agile on that paddleboard like a bird on a wire, pregnant bird on a wire, but a bird on a wire. Man, what's the best thing you can pass down? Yeah, Steve, what, 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 look at that little kid right there. What's the best thing you can pass down to him? A brand new car. Sometimes we'd like to have a brand. Anybody want a brand new car passed down to him right now? Where's Emily? Yep, Emily'd like one. Yeah, all of them. You just pray, girl, pray. Jesus has got one out there for you. You just got to get to door number three. But what's the most important thing you can pass down, man? Jesus. How about you guys, man? You got little Gabriel. We dedicated Jesus. You know, that's the most important. And that's what he passed down at the end, the promise. But we're going to look at his lifestyle and see. He messed up a lot. <laughs> and again... The point that they needed to make is that God didn't need their help. Have you ever tried to help God by doing something wrong just to make it work out? Maybe right now you're saying, dude, not me. I've never done that. Watch this story and see if any of this kind of rings a bell in your life. Because it's been ringing bells in my life. And if you want to fire me as a pastor, then go ahead. But no, I'm just <laughs> All right. But look at this. He says, so by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So again, help me out. Read this for me. God, he, so, then help right. You guys got that down? How many of y'all have that memorized right now? You got it memorized? Uh, you got it memorized yet? Probably not. Go ahead. Give it a shot, man. Give it a shot. Go ahead. Read it, man. All right, good, good, good. You're going to have that by the end here, all right? So uh, you guys over here, Brandon, you're next, bro, all right? All right, go ahead, man, right now. Just do it. All right, he, he didn't even have to look unless he's got awesome peripheral vision. All right, so God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. So if you're going to help, help right. All right, so we start off uh, again in Genesis 25, starting in verse 20. And so prior to this, we, uh, Zane preached on Genesis 22 when Abraham took Isaac, uh, the promise of child, up to sacrifice him, you know, and, and God said, no, no, and Zane preached on all of that. The very next chapter, basically, Sarah, his mom, his mom dies, 
she dies, and so the next chapter after his mom dies is he needs a replacement, so he gets a wife. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you didn't laugh very hard, but how many of you wives, now how many of you wives inside are like, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I became his new mom. No, I'm just joking, but, but literally, that's what happened in his life. He, uh, his mom died, and so he's like, you know, 40 years old, he needs a wife, <laughs> and he, his parents didn't have to sue him to kick him out of the house, but close, and so... Here he is, and so what a beautiful story in the Word of God, if you want to go back a few chapters prior and read about how Isaac found a wife. It's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. We're not preaching on that today. And then after that, um, so that's where we kind of, kind of hit right here. It says in verse 20 of chapter 25, it says, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, all right? And, and so he's 40 years old at this point. She was the daughter of Bethel, uh, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And if you uh, read about Jacob's life later, which we'll be preaching about, you'll know a lot about Laban. He was a shyster in all of this. So basically he married Rebekah, and uh, he was 40 years old when all that happened. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, when you read that, hey, when you're reading that, man, you're just sitting there thinking, Tom, you're thinking, he pleaded for his wife because she didn't have a kid, and all of a sudden she conceived. What kind of time frame are you looking at here? I mean, what do you think? Oh, a, year. a year, man, dude. Yeah, like that. That's how God works in our lives, isn't it? Just boom, boom, boom. No, we're talking 20 years. He was 60 years old when he got his kid, all right? So for 20 years, he's pleading. How many of y'all give up after 20 minutes? 20 hours? 20 days? 20 months? 20 years, dude. It says Isaac pleaded with the Lord. And what we're going to learn as you study Isaac's life, he probably wasn't pleading. He was whining. Okay? What's the difference between prayer and whining? You know, have you ever whined to God? Anybody, have you ever whined to God? What's it like whining? What is whining to God? You tell me. Yeah. Come on. What's it like? What, what is prayer? Yeah, whining is praying without faith. Why me? Why is this going to happen to me? I got the worst life. God, everybody else has kids. Everybody else has this. Have you ever whined? Anybody here ever whined? Would you be honest? That is not praying. But God wants you to do it because he can turn whining into winning, whining into praying. Eventually, it is. It's praying without faith. It's like, God, why, why, why? God, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. God, you're the only one to listen anymore. Nobody else will even answer the phone when I call because they know I'm going to complain. Right? That's whining. And that's probably what he was doing. Now, what's the difference? What is praying? What's praying? Asking God with faith. Praying with faith. Yeah, seeing it from his perspective. Dude, God, I am so glad in year 15 you did not give me a kid yet. There's no way we could have handled a teenager this year. You know, God, I am so glad that you didn't give us a kid yet. I am so glad, God, that your timing is perfect. I remember uh, our second, uh, Ashley. Man, we just thought, dude, yeah, we got this handle. We're educated young people, man. When we, we were young when we got married. And, well, 26, that was fairly young. But we, we had to get this going, man. And it's like, we can have a kid anytime we want. And God showed us, no, you can't. There wasn't nothing wrong physically. It just didn't happen. And he gave me a verse out of Proverbs that said, what is it that uh, a desire that you have to wait for, man, is, 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 a, is grief to your heart, but it's joy once it, come, once it comes to fruition, man, boom. And what a joy she is. And then all of a sudden, we didn't learn our lesson, so we want another kid. Dadgummit, <laughs> you know, we know how to do it. We got some experience under our belt, okay? We can pop this bad boy out. So we want another one. And God waited, waited, waited. And, and our son, Matthew, who's 22 right now, 
He came just as we were moving from Webster out in the country into Orlando where we had great insurance. What did we pay, like five bucks to have him, something like that? Dude, it was awesome. <laughs> I'm just telling you, with every one of our kids, Emily came along because Linda wanted another one before she hit 40. Why? I don't know. Two kids, two hands. We're good. But I wouldn't trade her for the world. I'm so glad your mom's persistent. I'm glad God gave you to us. But every single one of them came perfect at the perfect time. It's all his timing. It's all a gift from him. So praying is like, God, I'm so grateful for the situation I'm in right now. I'm so grateful that your timing is perfect. God, I'm so grateful that you're in control of all of this. Because how many of y'all would have ever got something you prayed for and, and would have hated it? <laughs> would, you would have hated it when it came and when it happened and all of that? How many of y'all have ever experienced God's perfect timing in your prayer life? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, that's praying in faith. But he was probably whining, why, why, why? Me, 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 you know? And so, so again, that's not the way God operates in there. And that was not pleasing to God. That, that's just not the way it was supposed to be. So she was barren for 20 years. And the Lord granted his plea, his whining finally, because it was part of God's plan. And Rebecca, his wife, finally conceived. All right, so again, help me out. Read this real quick and we move on to the next part. So, all right, good, good. You got it so far? Hey, Brian, you got that one? All right, don't be looking. What do you got? Tell me what. God? That's right. Don't do something wrong. Don't whine. Don't complain. Just roll with it. Be a surfer. Don't make waves. Ride the waves. Whatever God's, is God not a big enough God to change situations instantly if he chooses to? So dig. See it from his perspective and dig what you got right now. So let's see how his wife, I'm sure his wife was much better than he was at this, don't you think? It says, but the children struggled within her. Now, you know what, dude, I'm just a guy and, and I've never had a child struggling with me. Any women ever had a child struggle within you? I remember Ashley, like when she's having her first one, Keon, oh, he kicked me. Oh, he's doing, you know, I mean, I thought that was a little dramatic, don't you think? Uh, hey, your little dude, is he kicking around and all? Does that get uncomfortable? Not yet. You just wait, girl. <laughs> no, just... Now, can you imagine having two of them in there? No. Two little codettes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, having a couple of them in there. And so, you know, did she have the right to kind of complain? I've never been pregnant, you know, so I'm just saying, yeah, a little, a little dramatic here. But, but I have seen, you know, I, I can't imagine two kids squishing your bladder. One's bad enough, right? And so the children struggle together within her. And then here's how she, she didn't say, oh, if all is well, why am I like this? You think that's the way she said that? If everything's okay, why is this going on? <laughs> she was not really whining to God. She was more like angry with God. She's like, I can't get sleep. I have to always go to the bathroom. I have to, you know, all these things that's going on. She's great with two children in her and they're struggling inside. And so she did a little bit of complaining in there. And, but let me ask you a question. Is it a sin to complain? Think about that. And when we complain, who are we complaining against ultimately? And when we're complaining against God, what are we saying about his will or what, his, what he's doing? It's not right. I got a better way. I, God, if I was you, I would engineer it so I could have two kids in there and there'd be no issues, all right? <laughs> you could surely build some insulation all around those kids, man. You know, and make all that. Somehow, some way, we could do it better. So the children struggled within her, and she said, if all's well, why am I like this? In other words, the baby that maybe she didn't even want for 20 years. 
Maybe she did. Maybe it was just Isaac that wanted the baby. I don't know. Maybe she was so sick of being badgered by Isaac, and Isaac was always like, why can't you get pregnant? Why don't you have, man, do I have to do like my dad did and get a concubine and try to do it that way? I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't wait to get to heaven and watch God flicks to see what all happened in all of that. But in here, man, maybe she didn't even want this baby, and everything that happened was now just going to be miserable for her. I don't know the story. I don't know how the Holy Spirit's using this in your life, but all I know is she's extremely uncomfortable and extremely unhappy with what God is doing right now. Anybody here ever get extremely unhappy with what God's doing right now? Yeah, we're all there. And again, I'm not just trying to pick on you and make you feel bad, but what I'm trying to say is, man, if we're going to help God, help him right. What a blessing. She was going, she was allowed to help God bring in the patriarchs, which were then going to become the Messiah. She's in the line of, of, of you know, saving the world in all of this. So, so in this, um, what a privilege. And let me ask you a question. Does it ever hurt to serve God? Does it, is it ever pain? Does it, is it, do you ever get some sleepless nights serving God? Do you ever, does your body ever get tired serving God? Do you ever get tired, tired serving God? Do you ever get let down serving God? Do you ever have people... Me- Steve, is there ever a time where it just isn't, doesn't feel good to serve God? But you keep going knowing that there's a benefit in all of that. And so that was her calling in life was to bring these babies into the world, you know. And so, again, if you're not seeing life from God's perspective, and I am just as guilty all the time. If I'm not seeing life from God's perspective, I take what God has intended as a blessing and it becomes a burden. But again, I got to remember, God doesn't need my help. He lets me help. He doesn't need my help. He lets me help. And so if I'm going to help, then i got to help right, not help wrong. And I know I've done some helping wrong. So she went to the Lord finally, I'm thinking, that after this. She probably had gone to Isaac quite a few times, gone, gone to her, all these other people. But it says, so she went to inquire the Lord. Look what happened. The Lord said to her, two nations. She's like, yeah, I agree. I thought they were babies. These, these are nations in me. Does, ba- does your little baby ever feel like a nation in you? Not yet. Almost. <laughs> right? You know, that, that, two nations are in her womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. And that's not the way her traditional husband had it planned. That the little one was going to take over and, and be in charge of the younger one. Uh-oh, so all of a sudden, Rebecca hears this, and she's like, oh, my husband's not going to like this. Man, so God is telling me the little one is going to serve the, or is going to be in charge of the big one. So as a woman, and you have your sons, what are you now going to try to do? What's the dedication of your life? What do you think? To make this happen, right? I mean, that would be natural, okay? Or if you're supernatural and you have faith, you'll allow God to make it happen. You'll realize, dude, I can't wait to see how God's going to do it. But have you ever... Seeing something that God wants to do and you feel like you got to take some responsibility in making it happen. I got to make this happen. Somehow I got to make this happen. I know my husband's not going to go for this, but I'm going to make sure this goes through. And I think that was her mindset in all of this. So again, God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. So if you're going to help, do what? Callaway, if you're going to help, do what? Help right, not wrong. All right. Hey, does Callaway ever help wrong? Sometimes. All right. But now you can let him know, right? Help right. If you're going to help, help right. All right. And uh, so here it is. Look at the next section. All right. So now the boys are grown. And one, uh, this is Jacob and Esau. 
Uh, Jacob is the younger one. Esau is the older one. And um, it goes on and says, so when her days were filled or fulfilled for her to give birth. All right. When, are, when is your day to get fulfilled to give birth? Yeah. Okay. So that's just a fancy way of saying a due date right there. All right. So when their due date came, um, indeed, there were, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And this was for sonogram, dude. They saw it. There, was, there were twins in her womb. Okay. And, and evidently they came out. Okay. But look at this. All right, you think you had problems, right? Oh, Katie, I want you to imagine this. You don't know what your baby looks like, right? So imagine, have you ever heard the saying that he's so ugly only a mom could love him? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? You ever seen people like, oh, dude, that person's like, dude, only a mom could love that one. And maybe they said that about you. They said it about me, okay? So anyways, but imagine here you are in the birthing room, got your feet up in the cup holders, man, and this pops out, right? All right? Check this out, man. Okay. And the first one came out. All right. I mean, I don't care who you are. You got two of them in you. One comes out. You got to feel better, right? All right. And, but he was like a what? Like a hairy garment. I mean, remember when Ashley came out? I'd never seen a, a baby. Brian, you'll appreciate this, man. I'd never seen a baby be born. And, and I'm there, and I'm like in the room. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be one of them cool dads. I'm going to be in there. And, and I remember when the doctor came in, she had a mask. She, she gets there like about from this far, and she puts the mask, and she's like a catcher ready to receive. And I'm thinking, how far is this baby going to squirt? You know? <laughs> and, and maybe it wasn't that far, but I'm just like, no way. I, this was all like nothing that I even conceived when I saw this happen and then the baby comes out and and dude they don't look like they do on TV man she looked like a little guava cream cheese pastry that's what I mean dude it was like Crisco and I don't know man it was it was not they cleaned you up and I think you cleaned up well Ashley <laughs> so but in this this baby came out like a little Sasquatch, man. He's a Chewbacca. <laughs> if I could make the Chewbacca noise, I would make it right now. Make it coming out of him. But he, can you imagine? You're waiting for your little baby and, you know, comes out for a hairy guy, you know, and you get a Sasquatch coming out. There's a Chewbacca and you go, whatever Chewbacca makes. And there it is. He was like a hairy garment all over. And so guess what they named him? <laughs> Red, <laughs> like creative name, right? That's what Esau has. He come out, what are we going to name him? Red. <laughs> all right, that's good. So they got red here, all right? And, uh, and so now, look, afterwards, his brother came out. That was good for, uh, good, good for her. And uh, his hand took hold of Esau, red. So, so this other baby was taking hold of the first one, the older one coming out. And he's trying to pull him back in. He's trying to get ahead of him which he tried to do his whole life, but that's what was prophesied. He's going to come out. He's going to be in charge of him, even though he didn't come out first because it had to work with God's prophecy. So he had his hand on, the guy, on Esau's heel. I think he was holding on to all that hair. I was wondering at first back in the day, how would he hold on to that slippery guava cream cheese pastry, man? You know, the Crisco. But it, it, Chewbacca had all that hair, so it was no problem, man. He just holding on. Like a fair ride, you know, here we go. And so Esau's, he's holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Does anybody know what Jacob means? Heel catcher. <laughs> so we got red and heel catcher. And, and heel catcher also means supplanter, shyster. You know, that was what he was named. The one that's always trying to be something he's not. Only he was prophesied to be it. He's always trying to get ahead. Always trying to get ahead of his brother. From the womb, he had that desire. But again, that was what was prophesied of him. But did God, did he need, did Jacob ever need to help God fulfill God's prophecy for Jacob? 
Did Jacob ever need to rip his brother off? Did he really need to grab onto his brother's heel and try to yank him back in to come out first for God's prophecy to work? No, God doesn't need our help, but he lets us help. But if we're going to help, do it right. And this guy is holding on to Chewbacca, man, trying to get out. And that's his name. And look, at it says Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. So that's how we know that it was 20 years they were waiting to have a baby. So the boys grew. That's a good thing. And um, Esau, look at this, was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. Ah, he's a man's man. He's out there, you know. And, and look at this. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. What's another name for that? Mama, yeah, lazy. Mama's boy, man. So one of them's on the couch eating bonbons, and the other one's out there, ah, getting dirty, playing around. And so, so Esau, I, I guess if you're a mom, would be like, get off the couch. You're getting red hair all over it. So he was always sitting outside because he was getting hair. He was shedding all over the house, all right? Probably. You know, this other guy was mild-mannered, dwelling in tents. He, he hung out. And, and plus, Esau, he had natural sunscreen, dude. He had a fur coat on. So he was good. So they, they took their roles. There they were. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. <laughs> so why did Isaac love Esau? Hey, dude, why did Isaac love Esau? Dude, he fed him. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, you're cooking little brownies over there. Dude, he's bringing me deer meat. He's bringing me some, some ribs, man, meat and potatoes. And, and Isaac loved, but why else do you think Esau loved, or Isaac loved Esau? Look at this next part. It says, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Man, if Rebecca loved Jacob, here you are, you're a dad, and you see the mom having favoritism towards one, what might that cause you to do? Really pour into the other one? Is that the way we're supposed to raise our families? What, what should have been happening? Hey, Christine, what, now that you guys have raised two big old kids, you know, and all that, what, what, are you, what are you supposed to do as parents? Love them both. And even though they're different, you love the way God made them, and you, you help them succeed at what they're good at. Maybe help them improve the other things, but help them succeed in what they're good at. You love them both. But what happens in a family when there's a favorite? Emily, what happens when there's a favorite? <laughs> no, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> they're always like, Ashley's your favorite. It's like, because she talks to us. <laughs> no, I'm, she hangs out, but, but, but listen, listen. I know, I'm getting you mad now. <laughs> you ain't got to be a brain surgeon to see that mad face, right? But listen, man. You have. Since you come from college, it's been awesome. You come sit out with us and try to converse. I know we're boring now because we're old, but you're at least trying, man, and that's awesome. I appreciate it. But no, we don't have any favorites. I love each one of my kids differently in different ways. But man, have, have, how, many, how many of you would say that in your family there were favorites? Come on, man. Anybody in your family? How did that make you feel? If you're the favorite, awesome, right? But if you're not the favorite, man, it's like you see the rival, you see the problems in this household, man, it's messed up. And, and, and so why do you think Rebecca really latched on to Jacob and made him her favorite? Why, why do you think she did that? Anybody? He hung out with her. Oh, he hung out with her. Okay, yeah, okay, so it's Ashley deal, right? No, but she's needy. That's what it is, Emily, right? Emily's like, she's just needy. No, but no, seriously, go back to the prophecy. What did God say? The younger was now going to rule over the older, and Rebecca is a manipulator, so what do you think she's doing? She is going to help God and make sure that the younger is going to be over top of the older. She is going to do everything in her power to help God, even if it's wrong. 
Is that justified? Anybody ever here have the ends justify the means? Well, I had to do this, otherwise this would have happened. Well, yeah, in your limited, finite mind, that's how it works. But God is infinite. If Rebecca didn't help uh, Jacob be number one, would Jacob still have been number one? Yeah, it would have still happened. Emily, are you mad at me the whole service now? You have a mad face on right now. <laughs> I'm just picking on, and she's so easy to pick on, too, so I'm just joking. All right. I'll leave her alone. Now, shouldn't I? Ashley's like, leave her alone, Dad. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Isaac loved Esau and he, because he ate of his game. Remember that, though. Remember that, okay, in the end of the story, that he loved Esau. Why? Because he fed him. So to what kind of guy was, was Isaac? What was he most interested in? Yeah, dude. His own pleasure. His own satisfaction in eating. In other words, eating good food was more important than doing God's will. And you might even see that later in his story. And Rebecca, making sure that God's plan comes to fruition. No matter what I have to do, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to tell you, God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. So if you're going to help, help what? Help what, cowboy? That's right, because you're going to have to tell your sister that later today. All right. So look at this next story in here. Here they are. Remember, there are two roles in all of this. Now, Jacob cooked a stew and we know it was a red bean soup. All right. And um, Jacob was just in there cooking. He might have had a purpose, might have been trying to lure his brother, might have been having an ulterior motive. But we just know he was cooking a soup, right? a stew right now. Esau came in from the field and he was weary. He came in from hunting, man, covered with sweat and all that hair and you know, and he's in there and he's like, oh my goodness. Have you ever had your kid open, Camden ever opened the fridge? Like, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, you ever been that way? If I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. Roger, is that you, man? You're like, yeah, if you don't get done on time, I'm gonna, we're going to eat lunch together, so you can't go to I go, right? That's right. All right, so anyways, yeah, that's where he was. If I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. Was he really going to die? Hey, was he really going to die? No, he wasn't really going to die. All right, so, but he thought he was. Have you ever made a decision based on emotions rather than reason? How'd that work out for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it didn't, man. And that, that's one of the great lessons on this. God doesn't need you to do that. But Jacob, man, well, look what he was trying to do. Jacob cooked a stew. Esau came in from the field. He was weary. He said, man, I'm going to die. And so Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with some of that. What kind of stew? Esau stew, red stew. For I am weary, I'm going to die, I think the King James even does say. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And that just basically because it's red stew. He sold his birthright. He sold his life away. This hairy red Chewbacca sold his life away for red stew. And so it was just his whole, and so his, his family later were called Edomites, actually. You'll see them further on in the Bible. But so from that time on, his name was called Edom. Hey, red, red, red. That's what they were calling him. So Jacob, what could Jacob have done? What would have been, hey, your brother comes in and says, dude, I'm going to die. You're making red soup. What would you do? If you're, if you're really working for God, if you're serving him, you just give him a bowl of soup. He's like, what can I do for you? Dude, just eat it. Enjoy it. Tell me thank you. Oh, don't have to do anything. Just eat it. But Jacob, what's his name? Heel catcher, supplanter, shyster. So what do you think he's going to do? He's like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, let's, let's go again. This wasn't his first rodeo. 
He's probably been trying to do this for a while, and now this time it just absolutely worked. He said, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some soup. Sell me your birthright as of this day. Hey, Seth, you were telling me the birthright meant that the oldest one got what now? Like, like half of the dad's... A double portion. A double portion. He got half of the state. And, 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 and that would be like in a corporation, you get 51%. And then everybody else in the family gets everything else divided up. So you are the majority stockholder in everything. You're the, you're the family priest. You're the family... Um, business leader, you're everything. You're the one that takes over. And so he sell that to me because it always went to the oldest. But what did God say was going to happen, Josh? The youngest is not up there, brother. <laughs> the youngest is going to be in charge, right? So God's working on us. Now, did God need Jacob to rip his brother off? Did, God, did Jacob need to help his brother and do something wrong? No, God does not need your help. He lets us help. And if you're going to help, you got to help right, not help wrong. And so here, he might have thought he's helping God. Oh, yeah, because I think everybody in this family knew about this deal, that somehow Jacob was going to be in charge. I'll guarantee you Isaac knew. Guarantee you Rebecca knew. I'll guarantee you Rebecca, his whole life, kept telling little Jacob, now, Jacob, you just listen to me, boy. You listen to me. I'm gonna, you're going to be in charge. You don't think a mama would be telling her boy that? And you don't think Esau would overhear it? Hey, man, you know what, Dad? Like, Dad, you just stick with me, son. They're going to try to overthrow you, but I got you. I got you, man, because you feeding me is way more important than God's will. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's going on in the family. They all kind of know this. So he says, sell me your birthright as of this day. Look at this answer. Esau said, look, I'm about to what? Die. Yeah, dude. When I finish this in another two hours, man, you guys are going to be like, I'm about to die. No, it's not too hard. Like 10 more minutes, all right? So I'm about to die. And he wasn't really about to die. He thought he was. He felt like he was. And he was going to make an irrational decision based on his emotions. Are you not glad we don't do that? <laughs> Matthew, you ever do that? Oh, yeah. yeah, make mountains out of molehills in our head, man. And, and Because I have no answer. There's no other solution to fix this except <laughs> doing the wrong thing. I must do the wrong thing. No! We have a finite mind. God has an infinite mind. God has a whole plan. It's never right to do the wrong thing. We always do that right thing. And it works out. That's what Jesus told us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, 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 his, and his kingdom. And everything you need will be added unto you. But, but, but you don't understand the mark. That was back then. Now, dude, this is what I got to do on the resume. This is what I got to do on my taxes. This is how I have to, have to, what I have to tell the boss. This is what I, no. It still works. And God's got a purpose in all of it. And it's very hard for us to do the right thing when bad consequences are going to come from it. And we justify it. But we can't. This is a great example for us. Esau was like, oh, I'm about to die, so what good is his birthright to me? How much did Esau value his birthright? Nothing. He valued it as nothing. He's like, dude, yeah, I'll sell it for some bean soup, and I'll buy it back now for some chicken gizzards later. I'll, he thought it was something that could easily be traded around. But he didn't know Jacob, man, wanted it bad, and his mom and him had been planning on having that. So Esau, look, I'm about to die. What good is his birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him. But did Esau's word mean anything? No, I swear to you. Okay, I swear on a stack of Bibles that this is good. I'll tell you this. But then the next person, yeah, right. That doesn't really mean. Esau's word meant nothing. So he said, swear to me this day. And, and so he sold his birthright to Jacob. 
And so in this next verse, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew. Oh, he gave him bread and some beans also. Gave him a little extra. And, and he even gave him to eat and to drink. He ate and he drank and he arose and he went his way. And look at this last part. It says, thus Esau despised his birthright. And what that literally means is he did not value it. He treated it as something that was not worth much. Can you imagine having something so valuable and treating it not worth anything? Didn't, isn't that part of the Lord's Supper? Why we're supposed to inspect ourselves? Why we're supposed to look in? Because we have that precious gift of eternal life. We have God living in us, and yet we unworthily disrespect it. We disrespect it so often. We're supposed to check ourselves. Man, but so Esau, he didn't think much of his birthright. Thought, I'll sell it here. I'll get it back here. This ain't a done deal. But with Jacob, it was a done deal. So check this out. Again, read this in case you're falling asleep. Wake up next person next to you. Help me out. God. He. So. Right. Exactly. So did, did Jacob need to rip his brother off for God's plan to work? No. He didn't need to. And you don't need to do something wrong to make God's plan work, in case you were thinking about it today. All right, so Genesis 27, real quick. It says, now it came to pass when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim, so he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered and said, here I am. He said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. I'm fixing to die. Now, please, before, what did, what would, what did he want before, his son, before he died? What do you want? He wanted some food. That's what he, his whole life was carnal. He wanted food. I'm getting ready to die. I don't want to have this, you know, kumbaya moment with my family. I want some food, all right? So here it is. I'm getting ready to die. Go get your quiver, get your bow, go out to the field and hunt some game for me. And make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat it and that my soul may, <coughs> may bless you before I die. So he's ready to give the blessing of being the firstborn to his son Esau, even though he knows from Rebekah. Because how many of y'all believe Rebekah probably told Esau? <laughs> how many of you believe she probably told Isaac? How many believe Rebekah made everybody in the house know that Jacob was? Yeah. So, but she, he's willing to do it because, dude, I just want one last meal. <laughs> That's what, I, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going against what God wants because I want something different. So make me the food as I love and, and bring it to me and my soul may bless you before I die. Again, help me out. God doesn't need our, but he lets us. So if you're going to help, help right. All right. So, so he, uh, Isaac, he was going to circumvent God's plan. He's trying to help God by changing his plan. So let's see what happens with Rebecca. Woo! Do you think Rebecca, every, anything ever went on in that house that Rebecca didn't know about? No, because her priority is making sure her little boy, her favorite, was now going to succeed. So nothing was getting by her. She knew everything about everything. She was a little busybody, and this proves it. Now Rebecca was what? Listening. Dude, she didn't have anything better to do. That was her priority. That's what she was living for, to make sure this all went down. She was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game to bring it. So he's gone. All of a sudden, her wheels are turning, right? Oh, no. Oh, no. He's, gonna, he's getting ready to die. He's going to go. go. Esau's going to go get a meal, bring it, and he's going to bless him. That's going to blow the whole plan. What can we do? Quick. Have you ever been put in that position? Has anybody ever felt that way before? 
quick. I better think of something because God's plan is going to mess up or my plan is going to mess up. I got to think of something really quick. How am I going to fix this? Let me ask you a question. Did they need to do anything for God's plan to work out? No. Even though they had messed everything up, God's plan still would work out without their participation. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son. All right, Jacob, come here, come here, come here. Jacob, mom, I'm busy, man. I'm playing video games. Leave me alone. I'm on, I'm on another level. Jacob, get over here. Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, and look what he was saying. This is crucial right now. Bring me game. Make savory food for me that I might eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, son, obey my voice according to what I do, what I said, and do it now. Now is not the time for you to exercise your options. You better do exactly what I say. Obey. Obey right away. Ashley, what are you talking about? Can you imagine getting Keone to do that right? Obey. What's your favorite thing now? Hey, Keone, what are these? <laughs> What do you say? They're my ears. What do we do with them? Listen and obey. That's what Keone's learning. She read Rebecca's like, dude, listen now. <laughs> then we're not playing games. No mercy. This is important. This is crucial. This is your moment, son. This is what you were born for. We have to manipulate the situation or God's plan is going to get messed up. Is that right, Linda? Seriously, has anybody been in that position? I gotta manipulate this situation. I gotta make this happen, or God's plan's gonna get messed up. I know maybe right now you're saying, dude, I would never do that. Well, I'm just gonna be honest with you, I have. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if you have, but it's never right to do the wrong thing. You've got to do the right thing, even if it looks like it's gonna mess up. You let God work his business. Our job is to simply follow. So here was her great grandiose plan. She said, go to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of goats. Wait, goat? How are you going to make goat, domestic goat, taste like wild meat? Well, if you're Rebecca and you've been planning this day your whole life, you know Isaac's favorite recipe and you know how to make that domestic goat just like, taste just like that meat. You've worked on this. You've schemed it. You've been waiting for this moment to happen. And so she says, I will make savory food for them for your father, such as he loves. Then you take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. God doesn't need our help. Did she need to do that for God's plan to work? No, God doesn't need our He lets us. So if you're gonna, then help. Right, exactly. So look what happens in this. Jacob said to Rebecca's mom, oh, Jacob, no, mom, I can't do this. This would be sinning against God, sinning against my dad. And you know what? My character is such that I'm not going to do the wrong thing, mom. No, that would have been Joseph <laughs> later on. Not Jacob. Look what he's concerned about. Jacob said to Rebecca, look, Esau's my brother, and he's a what? Yeah, mom, in case you didn't notice, my brother's Chewbacca, all right? You know, and, and I'm, I'm a smooth guy, you know? I, I shave my back every day, you know? I'm just like, Esau's my brother. He's a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. There's no way this is going to work. And he even goes on further. Perhaps my father's going to want to feel me, and I shall, what's the next word? I shall what? Seem. What does the word seem do to the word deceive? Soften it a little bit, doesn't it? And I, you know, there's just a chance, mom, that if I participate in this plan, I might just seem like a deceiver. <laughs> no, dude, you're the biggest liar in the world. You don't seem. There's nothing to seem about it. And so he says, it might seem to me to be a deceiver to him. And, and then I'm going to bring a curse on who? Myself. 
Yeah, forget the family. Forget anybody else. Who's, who does Jacob care about? Yeah. That's why your plans mean more than God's plans, and you've got to manipulate things to make it all happen and then call it God's work. And he says, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing if that happens. So Rebecca's like, you know, Jacob, you are so right. We were so wrong. Let's get together with Father, and let's hold hands, and let's pray and ask for forgiveness. I think that's what they're going to do. But before they do it, let's read this again. God doesn't need our no. He lets us. No. So if you're going to, no. then help. Right. right. Exactly. So look, let's see what happens in this. But his mother said to him, hey, let your curse be on me, my son. Hey, I heard what God said to me, that you're going to be the top dog, and it's my responsibility to make this happen. Is it her responsibility to make it happen? No. So, son, obey my voice and go get them for me and hurry up before your brother gets back. And he went and he got them, brought them to his mother. His mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebecca took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau. How old's Esau at this point? You know offhand, Seth, you know offhand, man, he's got to be like 60, 70 years, somebody, he's old dude. He's married. He was married. He married two Moabite women. Don't let your kids marry Moabite women. He married a couple of Moabite women to tick his parents off and, and, and all this. But years later, as an adult, she just happens to have a closet with some of his clothes in it. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Christine, you think she's been working on this scheme the whole time? She's like, oh, here it is right now. I'm going to make, I got the recipe. I got his clothes. They're hanging in the house. And we'll put these Esau clothes that smell like outside Chewbacca sweat. We will put them on him and Jacob, her younger son. And surely that'll mask everything. Verse 16. She put the skins on the kids, uh, of the kids of the goats on his hands. So after she killed the goat, she put those those skins on there and on the back of his neck. So, dude, if he goes to give you a hug, he's like, oh, my little Chewbacca, you know, I, I got you, man. Oh, that's, this is you. And, and so then she gave the savory food to the bread, uh, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And she said, go. Did she need to do all of this? No. Why? Because God doesn't need our. He lets us. And when you're going to, you got to help. Right, and they were helping wrong. It's never right to do the wrong thing in this. So look what happened super quick. So he went to his father and said, oh, my father. And he said, here I am. And what did Esau say, or Isaac say to him? Yeah, who are you? Somebody right here, man. Zane, you know the difference between your kids' voices? Yeah, yeah, just because you got one that's over puberty and one way under for sons, right? So, hey, that hurt up. No, it's like, I'm just saying, you know your kids' voices, right? Hey, you know your babies cry? Yeah, over other babies cry, right? You know your kids' voice. So he's like, who are you, my son? You see the question mark? He knew something was up, but this is where he starts submitting to God's will, even though his appetite wanted to circumvent God's will. Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Hey, did Jacob need to lie to make God's plan work? No, but he did it. He said, I've done just as you told me. No, you did what your mama told you, boy. <laughs> Pray, please arise, sit, eat my game, that your soul may bless me. That's what I heard. He had been blessed me before, I, before he comes back. But Isaac said to him, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? How did you kill something so quickly? Hunting takes all day. How did you go get this all day? And, and look at the gall that Jacob has. Roger, would you read that to me, man? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Oh, are you not waiting for a lightning bolt to come down right now? 
Oh, God brought it. That's what you would be thinking if it wasn't for God's mercy and grace. And so he says, yes, God, now he's bringing God into it. Of course we do that to justify things when we're doing it wrong. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you. Why do you think he wanted to feel him? Some ain't right, man. Your two daughters, you know your two daughters, right? If you were blindfolded, would you be able to tell the difference between the two? Even if he put goat skin, no, I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. <laughs> Even if he put switch clothes and all of that, yeah, you would still know. He son's not right, come near me. Let me feel you, son, whether you're really my son or not. And by the way, what does this indicate that has been going on in this family for, since day one? Deception. What a horrible way to live. You don't have to twist Scripture to make God's will work. You don't have to do wrong things to make it all come out right. Do the right thing and it comes out right. So look what happened. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father. He felt him and said, hmm, the voice is Jacob's voice. But these hands, they feel like Chewbacca goat meat. You know, these are, these are Esau's hands. Hmm. And he did not recognize him. But I think inside he probably was starting to recognize what was going on. And I think the Holy Spirit, I think God was starting to remind him that, look, you know what you're doing is wrong trying to give this blessing to Esau. You know your son Jacob's supposed to have it. So I think at some point he starts playing along with the game. And I think he starts submitting because that's what we see in Hebrew that says, by faith, he blessed them the right way accordingly. I don't know if it's here yet, but he said he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So look what it says. So he what? He blessed them. He gave him the blessing. And I don't know that he was convinced that he was actually giving Jacob or, or giving Esau the blessing at this point because of what we read in Hebrews. It says that by faith, he gave Jacob the blessing he was supposed to give and gave Esau the one he's supposed to give. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And wouldn't this have been a great time for Jacob to say, no, dad, you know what, man, mom made me do this. <laughs> you could have blamed it on mom and that what Adam and Eve did, right? You know, he said, could have said, man, mom made me do, or, you know, dad, we remember the prophecy and somehow we had to make this because you like food so much you were going to bless this one over me. He could have come clean. I think he had opportunities to complain. He never did. Are you really my son? And what does he say? Yeah, 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 I am. I'm Esau. Chewbacca, whatever. I wish I could make a Chewbacca noise so bad right now. Zane, can you make the Chewbacca noise? No. Dude, so somebody here can make it. I know. Is there anybody here that can make the Chewbacca noise? You wouldn't even admit it now if you could. <laughs> All right. He said, bring it, bring it near to me. I'll eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. He brought him wine. He drank. Then his father Isaac said, come now here and kiss me, my son. He came near, kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, blessed him, and said, surely the smell of my son's like the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed you know, I, I don't know when he realized that it was Jacob, but I believe he did according to the book of Hebrews. But he said, therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. So here, you have prosperity. Son, you're going to have prosperity. That's what I'm blessing you with right here. Let people serve, the people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be the master over your brethren. There's the birthright right there. And let your mother's sons bow down to you. And look at the last thing that's true to this day for Israel. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. There's the same promise that he had heard from his father that he's passing down to his son. And i got to believe that he sort of knew it was Jacob 
He knew it was wrong to give it to Esau. So again, God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. So if you're going to help, help right. I know it's time to go, but just a couple more verses, and you'll see how Esau react, uh, see what happens next. Now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau's brother came in from hunting. He also made savory food, brought it to his brother, and said to his father, Let my father rise, eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He said to him, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. I blessed him, and indeed, he shall be blessed. And you know what? I think he's just blowing smoke to Esau right now. I think he already knows what went on. Whether he did or didn't, we know what went down, but I think he already knew. So when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great bitter cry. And he said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But Isaac said to him, Your brother came, he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my, did he really take away his birthright? No, the dude treated it lightly. He didn't realize how valuable it was. And he thought he could buy it back as easy as he sold it and it wasn't going to happen. He took my birthright and now look, he's taken away my blessing. No, it was never your blessing to begin with. God gave it to Jacob. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Hey, let me ask you a question. What did Isaac give to Jacob? The answer is everything. So if somebody gives somebody else everything, what's there left for you? Nothing. Pretty much. That's what's going on right here. And so Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I made, you my, I made him your master, and all his brothers I've given to him as servants with grain, wine, all the grain, wine, I've sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? There's nothing left. And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me. Bless me also. Oh, my father. Esau lifted up his voice, and he wept. And Isaac and his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. Same thing. You're going to be prosperous out there. He goes and say, Your sword, by the sword you shall live. In other words, you're just going to always be fighting. You shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass that when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. In other words, what he's saying is that one day, there's going to be numerous times you get tired of being the little brother when you're the big brother, and you're going to break free. And you'll see that happen in Israel's history. But there was nothing. So again, the point is, you see all the manipulation, you see all the deceit, and everybody had good intentions. They were all trying to do what God, what they were trying to fulfill, make God's plan work. But they went about it the wrong way. It's never right to do the wrong thing. And in this, so what do we know? Does God does not what? Help me out. God does not need our help. But he lets us help. And if you're going to help, help the right way. If you ever find yourself having to do the wrong thing to help God, you're not helping him. You've got to do it the right way. And the promise was all about heaven. That's, that this was all part of it. The, the, he, the, what he was passing down was eternal life, a home in heaven. And the only right way for us to get to heaven is by surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ. There's no other way. 
We've, we've all done something wrong. None of us have done everything right. We have sin, and we have two ways we can pay for it. One, by dying and going to hell and paying for it ourselves. Or two, surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ, to God and believing what Jesus Christ did on the cross pays for our sin. If you have the ability to believe that and you surrender to him, then he covers you, and he covers you forever and takes away your sins and you have a home in heaven. That's the only right way to do it. Any other way is wrong. So if you've, got the, if you've never given your life to Christ, but you have a desire to sell out once and for all to Him, not just going through religious duty, showing up to church, doing religious things, that's not going to get you there. You're making your own plan with God. God sent His only Son to pay for your sins. And if you've never surrendered, then you're not saved. And you don't have a home in heaven. But if you have surrendered, then you get eternal life. And you have a home in heaven. This is what God wanted me to preach this morning. And I know the Holy Spirit wants to make it make sense to each of our hearts in a different way. So I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now I'm calling on you to ask God what he wants you to do with it. So let's bow for prayer. God doesn't need our help, but he lets us help. So maybe today you're here and God's been calling on you to help him. Not a church, not a ministry. Maybe it is something like that. But maybe God's given you something to do with your life. To sell it out to him. Just totally sell it out to him. And you're, you're holding back. Maybe, maybe instead you're selling out to a bowl of bean soup. And you're not totally selling it out to him. If the Holy Spirit's showing you that, man, just sell it out to him. Just totally sell it out. I guarantee you he will make it worth your while. Maybe you're too busy trying to make a temporal inheritance for your family. And he really wants you to make a spiritual inheritance for him. It's time to make that. I'm not sure what God's speaking to you about, but God does not need our help. Maybe you're in the process of maybe just telling some white lies, twisting some things around, just to make it kind of work for God. Well, again... If you're not helping right, you're helping wrong. Would you ask the Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with this message? I'm just telling you for a couple of weeks, this is what's been burning in my heart about Rebecca and, and Isaac manipulating, trying to help God, doing the wrong thing. And I don't know who this is for other than me. I know He's given me applications. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to make it make sense for you, He will, I promise. Father, thank you again for loving us. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. And Father, I have just so heard this message over and over and over again that you don't need our help, but you give us the privilege of letting us help you. And if we're going to volunteer to help and be a part of what it is you want us to be a part of, we've got to do it right. So Father, will you show us how to do it right? Show us where maybe we're doing it wrong. Father, will you show us what a privilege it is to be able to help you, to be a part of your plan, and what a privilege it is to serve you and worship you. So, Father, will you speak to each of our hearts and make this more real than it's ever been.